Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake, and thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. And on this week's episode, we are going to be looking at some tampering, some Philadelphia 76ers, New York Knicks allegations that could be coming up, and investigations involving Jalen Brunson and the Knicks specifically, and James Harden and his situation with Philly. And then look at some other stuff in the NBA. And more importantly, um, we're going to start it off right now with some sad news involving one of the greatest basketball players to ever play the game, Bill Russell, who unfortunately passed away. Uh, As a Celtics fan, it's a tough loss for the community of Celtics fans and the players, just basketball in general, because this guy is one of the best to ever do it and has had such a great overall NBA career from start to finish and was a player and a coach at the same time and 11 championships in a 12-year span and he ended up having five MVPs, 12 All-Star appearances, an All-Star game MVP, three-time All-NBA first team, eight-time All-NBA second team, All-Defensive first team, four-time rebounding champion, NBA Lifetime Achievement Award. He was on the 25th, 35th, 50th, and 75th anniversary teams in the NBA. And that that's a lot. And that's not including everything that happened in college, which was two-time NCAA champion and 1955 NCAA tournament most outstanding player, UPI College Player of the Year 1956, two-time Helms Player of the Year in 1955 and 1956. Bunch of other accolades. Uh, 15 points, 22 rebounds, 4.3 assists throughout his career. He is in the NBA Hall of Fame as a player, as a coach. He's in the FIBA Hall of Fame as a player and a College Basketball Hall of Fame member inducted in 2006 and is probably top five all time. Now, I personally think he's number four on my list with some order of uh, probably Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, and then Bill Russell. And then you can fill in the fifth option. Some people don't like to put Bill Russell in the top five. And I think there are a lot of people who will put Kobe, a lot of people who will put Magic Johnson, a lot of people who don't want anyone who's wearing Celtics green in the top five. And most uh, NBA fans would probably agree with me, but there are a lot of NBA fans who their top five is basically Michael Jordan and the rest are all purple and gold, which I don't think that's right, but I put him as number four on the top five. But he had a hell of a career. He had a hell of an NBA tenure and got the Presidential Medal of Freedom, according to uh, Barack Obama, gave it to him in 2011, um, and has done just an insane amount for his team, and has been there for the, he's been there for pretty much the whole Celtics championship run, 2008, 2010, all the runs in the 80s. He was a big part of Celtics basketball after he retired and had a profound impact on many of NBA players uh, in and out of Boston and had a relationship with Kobe Bryant, had a relationship with Kevin Garnett, which Kevin Garnett has talked about a lot. And it's one of those things where he is one of those guys who is beloved by the fans, beloved by 
everybody in his, you know, in the world of basketball, because that's just who he is as a person. And it's hard, you know, not to, to look at, you know, Bill Russell and his impact in the league and marvel because he is amazing. And so this is a tough loss for Celtics Nation, for the NBA family. And most big men have probably had Bill Russell or Wilt Chamberlain as a frame of reference for how they monitor their game. Obviously, the younger players, it might be a little bit different, but a lot of today's NBA players probably modeled their careers after guys who modeled their careers after Bill Russell. And most of these players, whether it's Shaq or David Robinson or Karl Malone or, you know, any number of big men probably can say that Bill Russell had an influence on them in terms of their style of play. And so he was larger than life. And, you know, it's been tough for Celtics fans because, you know, we lost Sam Jones, we lost Casey Jones, we lost Tommy Heinsohn, who was bigger than ever because of his broadcasting, and now Bill Russell, it feels like that was the end of an era. Um, and so, unfortunately, he has passed and, uh, yeah, it's a sad Celtics day because it's tough, uh, tough to, to witness that. Um, but he was 88. He lived a long life and had a great career in the NBA as a head coach, a player, and just had an overall amazing presence in the league in general. So can't really complain about that. Um, it was well uh, lived. So looking at what I want to discuss next, which is two separate incidences which involve uh, first the New York Knicks and Jalen Brunson and then Philadelphia and James Harden. So first, um, apparently the NBA is investigating possible tampering charges involving New York Knicks free agent pursuit of Jalen Brunson. Um, so apparently they made contact prior to the deadline, June 30th at 6 p.m., uh, and that was when free agency kind of opened, and I guess there are reports that maybe he did go in there and try and make something happen. Um, Brunson is connected to the Knicks through um, team president Leon Rose, um, and um, there was um, a lot of connections because uh, I guess uh, Rick Brunson who is Jalen Brunson's father, um, was recently hired as a Knicks assistant, um, and um, maybe there's a connection um, there. Um, and a prominent former player agent whose first client was Brunson's father, Rick. So Leon Rose was uh, an agent, and uh, Jalen Brunson's father was one of his clients. And um, so that's uh, a situation. Also, Rick Brunson was a Knicks assistant and was reunited with Tom Thibodeau, who he served as an assistant with with Chicago and Minnesota. So there's a lot of connections, which in the NBA that happens. You know, there's a giant tangled web of the Curry family with uh, Steph Curry being on Golden State and his uh, sister's husband, Damon Lee, played for Golden State. And then you have Doc Rivers, who was in Philly as the head coach, and Seth Curry was the um, point guard for a little while until he got traded to Brooklyn, and he is, his wife is Doc Rivers' daughter, and so there's always connections in the NBA. And so they're basically going to look into this whole situation and tampering, potentially, 
and the whole situation involving the Knicks and uh, if there's anything to come of this um, I guess Brunson uh, this is on Yahoo Sports um, I guess Brunson was scheduled to meet with a bunch of teams uh, when the legal meeting period took place but he only met with the Knicks um, who wanted to offer him what he was looking for uh, maybe the Knicks created all this cap space knowing that they could get Brunson because of all these connections. Um, so there's a case to be had. I don't know if anything will come of this. Maybe they will get a slap on the wrist. Maybe they'll get a draft pick taken away. They got a bunch of first round picks next year. Maybe one of them will get swiped away and taken. So we don't really know exactly what's going to happen. Um, and I guess we'll have to wait and see um i guess uh reports emerged before um the the date that new york would pursue him um and you know uh on june 24th six days prior to opening of the league legal tampering period june 30th uh mark stein wrote that the knicks were increasingly expected to assemble a four-year offer for brunson um and this all comes from bleacher report put out an article and so, obviously, Jalen Brunson fits with this team. He does fit very well with the team in New York because they do need a starting point guard, and he is a great starting point guard and would be a great player and get a big role. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that fit. It is a little odd that he signed with the Knicks and there's the connections with his father. But also, at the same time, I feel like they had interest in going after him, and that was like on draft night. They were talking about this, so they were trading away stuff to get the cap space. But I would have assumed that Dallas would have been in on the conversation and other teams as well. And just because the Knicks had said they were going after him, I didn't think it was 100% guaranteed. But then you see this, and you probably think maybe there's something here. guess you never know, but it's, um, it's an interesting situation. Um, if you really want to look at it that way, because I don't know exactly what's going to come of it, but, you know, it could be a draft pick, it could be a few draft picks, um, it could be a slap on the wrist and a fine. I guess they'll have to wait and see. So, switching to the other uh, investigation going on, besides the Knicks, we got Philly. So, the NBA is investigating Philadelphia's possible tampering centered around James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Daniel House. According to... Uh, ESPN, we're going to read an article from them and get the information and everything. Um, and they said that the NBA has opened an investigation into the 76ers tampering with contracts centered around uh, James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Daniel House. He declined like a $47 million contract and ended up going with a two-year $68 million contract instead. But there are people around the league who have questions about whether there was already a handshake agreement in place on a future contract, which would be in violation of collective bargaining rules. So maybe James Harden wanted to help out the team. Maybe Daryl Morey wanted him to help out the team, and they agreed to something well beforehand so they could start talking to players and be like, hey, P.J. Tucker, we're going to have open cap space because we're going to have James Harden like take $10 million off his contract. And so he's like, all right, I'll get in on that. Or, hey, Daniel House, like, we played together in Houston, you know, I'm going to cut some money off my contract, and Daryl Morey's going to look into bringing you in, and, you know, obviously the connections between Houston and Morey and James Harden and these guys makes for a situation where this could be 
a situation that they actually look at. And there was different investigations in last year's offseason with Lonzo Ball and Kyle Lowry with the Heat in Chicago where they lost second-round picks for early contact with free agents. Maybe James Harden had agreed to some sort of a handshake deal with uh, Maury, and he went out and recruited players to come join the team. Now, I like the two fits, as I have no issues with Daniel House uh, or P.J. Tucker. I just feel like, you know, if there is something into this, it's, you know, something they should look into because, you know, if James Harden did actually say, hey, I'll just slide to the side for a minute and we'll just agree to something later on, that is kind of tampering um, because, you know, you got to figure that if you as a player try to stretch the rules and as a general manager try to stretch the rules it's not a good situation because you assume that every team including Miami who probably had interest in PJ Tucker um, because he was there last year probably played by the rules and then you have Philadelphia who's like you know what we're gonna just handshake agreement like this is what we're doing so I'll talk to these guys early and let them know hey by the way we're gonna have money for you guys if you want to come play with us and obviously there's that connection from Houston so they probably said, sure, why not? Because they want to win. And so apparently that's the sort of case being made. I don't know if anything's going to come of it. But there have been fines before. Um, and in 2019, the NBA instituted more stringent penalties, such as fines for teams up to $10 million and um, suspending team executives, forfeiting draft picks, violating contracts, which I don't really think they'll violate contracts, but hey, you never know. Um, Milwaukee Bucks in 2021 were punished um, with the Bogdanovich situation where apparently um, they tampered and wanted to sign Bogdanovich and tried to do something with that early on, and they lost the second round pick out of it and probably would have lost more if he had actually signed with them but he went to Atlanta instead. Um, but it seems like it's a situation in which, um, at the end of the day, it was one situation that just took place with Milwaukee. I mean, when Magic Johnson was running the Lakers, he had his instances of talking to players when he probably shouldn't be, and he got fined for it, you know, between Giannis, Paul George, whoever. And obviously, if you're Magic Johnson, you're a big-time guy, and it's tough to, to really be a type of person in a position like that and have like the ability to be like a top 25 top 10 player all time while also being on that level of general manager because you kind of have to separate both right and I think one of the reasons he stepped down in general was because he can't be Magic Johnson the player Magic Johnson the fun-loving you know retired NBA player that everyone loves he's got to be a general manager who makes these decisions and he can't go to Ben Simmons and Paul George and any of these other players out there and be like, hey, you know, let's talk, right? There was an incident that occurred, which never actually came through, where um, Ben Simmons wanted to talk to Magic Johnson because Ben Simmons was a young six foot ten point guard who, for whatever reason, you know, they had similarities. So Ben Simmons wanted to talk to Magic Johnson about being, you know, an NBA player, doing the same things. And you know, at this point, Ben Simmons might have been like a one-time or two-time All-Star. Probably, I think, a one-time All-Star. And it wouldn't happen because Magic Johnson was like, well, I can talk to Elton Brand in Philly and see if it works. And if it does, great. And if he wants, you know, something to take place where we can meet and talk, that's fine. But I don't want to get in trouble for it. And it ended up not happening. And I think that was one example of 
how he really couldn't be himself um, because he had to deal with all of the, you know, other stuff of being a general manager and part of a team and tampering and et cetera, et cetera. So I personally think the NBA is getting better with their tampering and trying to limit it as much as possible because if they don't, then you just got guys going around willy-nilly tampering when they shouldn't be. So the next thing that I want to look at is involving former NBA basketball player Isaiah Thomas, who for probably the past several years has been playing in different summer basketball leagues, the Drew League, uh, Seattle Basketball Leagues, etc., and has always given teams an idea of potentially bringing him back, but it never actually happens. And Isaiah Thomas is just a overall insane story. And I kind of just want to say that I don't think he deserves to be in the NBA right now because he's not really an ideal NBA player. He's an injury-prone player. His shooting is off at times. He's five foot eight, so he's far lower of a uh, size than most NBA point guards, which it's easier if you're six feet, six two as a point guard to survive in the NBA, but as a five eight point guard, you got to have a little bit extra in the tank to, to get you over that hurdle, which he unfortunately kind of lost all of that. And he always seems to play well in these like Drew League tournaments and other stuff, but you also got to figure that majority of the people in these competitions are not NBA players, but just former college players or former overseas guys. And so if you're someone like Isaiah Thomas who played in the NBA and was pretty decent for Boston, average for the rest of the teams he was on, like, you're going to do a lot better than most people. Like, if LeBron played and DeMar DeRozan plays in Drew League and they score 40, 50 points, well, it's because they're superstar NBA players and you're playing against guys who either are still in college or barely made out of college or playing overseas and can't crack an NBA roster. So every year we see Isaiah Thomas with the 40 points in a Drew League game or 50 points in a Drew League game. And it's like, well, is he really that good? Because you're playing against guys who probably don't even have a chance at making an NBA roster. But to me, seem like... It's a tough situation. So, you know, there are a lot of people who love him for what he's done. And they, you know, look at um, just everything going on. And they say, oh, well, he could get a, you know, a job with another team. But I just don't see exactly where uh, things end up. And so at the end of the day, it just seems like um, it's just he's not going to get to play. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but his career was good for what it was, and he should be happy with everything that came of it. So that was that situation. So next is something that I saw coming from an article called um, Real GM, basketballrealgm.com where it was the Nets have not given up Kevin Durant retracting trade requests. Um, so it sounds like the Brooklyn Nets have not given up on a situation in which Kevin Durant says, eh, I don't want to leave, I want to stick around. So it seems like they're hoping to try and rectify the situation. Because look at Brooklyn, and I've probably said this before, but they don't have their own draft picks. They can't rebuild. If... The situation was, 
hey, we got all our draft picks, we got all our, you know, future, um, let's trade Durant, they probably already have a trade already because they'd be more open to just taking the best offer, taking the most draft picks, and going from there. Like, he probably would be in New York right now with the Knicks because the Knicks would have given up, like, five, six, seven draft picks and some young guys, and they would have said, eh, time to rebuild. But because of that, they're not going to rebuild. So it looks like they're still trying to hold out hope on the situation with Kevin Durant, hoping he comes back and rectifies and says, hey, I want to stick around um, longer. Um, you know, I think uh, potentially this is something that uh, they are hoping for. And um, according to Zach Lowe of ESPN, um, Durant's trade value is impossible to gauge, partly due to the years remaining on his contract and that the Nets are, Nets are hoping that Durant's camp comes to the same realization Teams around the league are waiting to see if the Nets lower their trade demand in order to move on from Durant. So I just don't think at the end of the day we're going to see a situation in which Durant gets traded right now because there is still that big disconnect. And this is the same thing with Ben Simmons that I had was the Ben Simmons side wanted him traded. The league had their own value. And I think the league with Kem Durant has their own value of what he's worth. And then you go to the other side in the Brooklyn Nets, and they're like, mm, nah, we're good. We're going to wait. And I think the, the Ben Simmons-James Harden trade is the perfect example because they were in it. But also they can look at that and say, well, we don't have to give up Durant right away. We can just go out there and wait for the best offer like the 76ers ended up doing. And the best offer could be come sooner rather than later, or they could wait. They got four years. Um and so Kevin Durant hasn't really given them any ultimatives yet. And so at the end of the day, yeah, they don't have to um, they don't have to worry too much. And so uh, we'll see see what comes of the Durant situation. But at the moment, there's not really much uh, much new information going on. Just um, just for me. So don't really think anything else um, is going to um, come. So I was looking at this article um, and looking at um, whether or not these big moves of the offseason were worth it or not. And so this is an article looking at some of the biggest moves and whether it was the right move or not the right move. So first was Atlanta acquiring DeJounte Murray, which um, they believe, this is Bleacher Report, that... Uh, they believe that this is a pretty good move for them. He is not a superstar, but close to it. And so this is a very good move for a team out there who could use um, use him. Uh, so this is a good move in their opinion. Next is Cleveland lowballing Colin Sexton, which um, Cleveland's deal is worth $16 plus million annually, which... Um, that's the situation. Um, apparently, they think that um, they shouldn't have lowballed him and that they should have paid him what he wanted because it's not like he's really getting anything else um, out there um, at all. Um, and so, uh, unfortunately, um, unfortunately, uh, right now he's not anywhere, but he should resign for a good deal with Cleveland. Uh, or someone will eventually just sign him for a cheap deal eventually, I think. Next is the Dallas Mavericks getting rid of uh, Jalen Brunson. And, um, I mean, they could have probably threw him out an offer, but maybe they didn't want to pay as much as the Knicks were. 
Um, and the Knicks basically just went all in. And I think they're going to regret not keeping him because I honestly think he is a great player. And they definitely are going to regret not keeping him because he helped their team so much last year. Next is um, Minnesota going all the way in for Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Basically pairing these guys together in order to make a run at it for a championship. Um, and... There isn't a lot of teams that have this double big rotation besides Cleveland and Boston, but it could work. Um, Twin Towers, um, I think they agree that if it works, then it's a great move and they could be getting closer to the Western Conference Finals. So they like the move. San Antonio commits to rebuilding, trading away DeJounte Murray and other players, adding in draft picks, etc., etc., um, they say they like this move because like a lot of the young guys, they like a lot of the draft picks, um, and they think this is the best move for them. Utah tearing it down. They personally uh, like it for right now, but if they don't get enough value out of Donovan Mitchell and some of these other players, then it might change, which I kind of agree with them right now. They got a lot for Gobert, but if they can't get a lot for Donovan Mitchell, then it's not really... Uh, not really going to look as hot, in my opinion. And then we have the Washington putting their fate in Bradley Beal's hands by signing him big with a long-term deal, which I think that's going to blow up in their face because he's going to want to leave sooner rather than later, in my opinion. And so that is, um, I guess that's, uh, that is uh, that, and that's that article. Um, we'll see what happens with Philly, with New York tampering, if anything comes of it, or it's just smoke and mirrors.